Discipleship is key to us following Jesus well. Jesus showed us a whole new way to live when he was here on earth, and then as he left, he told his followers to go and make disciples, teach them the things that I've taught you, help them live the way that I've taught you to live. And that's what our life is with Jesus. As we're learning and as we're growing with him, then we take others alongside of us and help them to do the same, to live more like Jesus. And this is discipleship. So how do we do this at NCC? Well, the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about how in our community of New Community Church, we are going to be discipling others. How do we do it? Why do we do it? What does the Bible say about discipleship? You're listening to the New Community Church Podcast, and I'm Pastor Caleb. This is the series Multiply, talking about how and why we do discipleship at NCC. Good morning, NCC. You guys doing good this morning? Hey, can we give it up for our pastors real quick? Can we just let them know that we miss them, right? Their presence and their absence is felt. And so Pastor Aaron and Sarah, you're probably watching us right now. We love you guys. We miss you. We're praying for you, and we're praying for a quick recovery because we need you, and we love you guys. My name is Aaron Castellanos. I'm the student pastor here at NCC, and it's such a privilege to be with you guys this morning. Before we get started, we want to welcome everyone who is with us, is joining us for the first time, Uh, whether they're online right now or they're in person. Church, can we make them feel welcome real quick and just, you're at home. And uh, we want to make sure that we connect with you. So if you could do us a favor, just text the number on the screen. Let us know that you're new. I promise you we're not going to spam you. We're not gonna show up randomly at your house and creep you out. We just wanna make sure that you connect uh, with us. Now we're continuing our series called Multiply and we've been talking about the vision that God has for our church. And before we go any further, I want us together to be able to declare our five-year goal. This is not a wish, this is not a dream, this is not something that we're hoping happens, this is something that we have confidence that God has spoken to us about and we believe is gonna come to pass here in the next five years. So if we can put that on the screen, let's all read it together. It says, by 2025, we will make a thousand disciples across three NCC campuses. We believe that with everything in us that we're gonna see that happen in the next five years. And we're already starting to see that vision coming to pass, the different steps that are taking place and the different things that are happening to make that happen right there and make it fulfilled. So I wanna pray with you guys this morning as we continue and uh, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you. We know that you're in this place, God. We feel your presence, God, as we worship, as we praise. And, uh, And I just ask God a simple but powerful request. I pray, God, that the word that is given today, God, I pray that it takes root in our hearts and that we start to be obedient, God, to your commands. We know that you've called us for bigger and for greater, God. And Lord, I pray that today you awaken us, God. You awaken something in our spirits, God, that causes us to wanna follow whatever it is that you're putting on our lives, whatever it is that you're saying to us as the church. We thank you, God, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now, I tell people this all the time, I look like I'm in my 20s, but I'm actually 36. 
And uh, if you get close enough, you'll start seeing the gray hair. That's why I cut my hair so short. Um, but I've had quite a few jobs in my 36 years, right? My very first job was passing out flyers for a uh, pest control company and putting flyers on doors. And different times, because back then, a bunch of us kids would pack into a van with no windows, and the owner of the pest control company would drop us off at the end of the street, and we would just go from door to door, just putting uh, flyers on door hangers, and he would just come and just pay us and change. And I remember as a kid, change just felt like we were rich, right? I'm like, man, I can buy anything I want. I was 14 years old. I started taking Debbie out on dates and paying for movies. Come on, somebody. Like, I wasn't depending on my parents, except for them dropping me off and picking me up. After the movie, I remember that, sitting on the curve. And so I've had a lot of different jobs, and in every job that I've had, I felt pretty confident about where I was until the current one that I'm doing right now. A few years back, about three years ago, I was in a point of transition, and I was just praying and asking the Lord, like, where are you taking me? Like, what's the next step? And uh, Mr. Eddie Opelt here, who's the owner of Extreme Air Services, reached out to me and was like, man, I want to meet with you for lunch. I'd love to have you on our team. Initially, I thought, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not a mechanical person. Heating and air conditioning scares me. But we met, and one thing led to another, and I joined the sales team there, and it's one of the best decisions that I've made in my life. I'll never forget, though, he probably didn't know this, I sat down in the living room of our house at the time after we had met for lunch and I had gotten hired. First thing I did is I went to YouTube and I typed in HVAC basics. And I'm watching all these videos and I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? Like, I know nothing about this. And then a few weeks back, what started happening is I started following his son around, Lyndall. And that's when growth really started happening because what I started seeing is how he dealt with customers, the questions that would come up, how he explained equipment. And before you knew it, I was like, man, I can do this. He went out of town one week and I was just kind of like, this is my shot to do it. And things went great. But I learned the lesson that day. And it's something that we hear very often is that more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. See, I could sit here and teach my kids about marriage, but what they're really going to remember is what I displayed. I can sit here and teach my kids about parenting, but what they're going to remember forever is what they saw me do and how they saw me do parenting. I can teach my kids that church is a priority and that Jesus is a priority, but what they'll remember is if I put this before other things. Come on, somebody. They're going to remember that. More is caught than taught. And when it comes to discipleship, it's the exact same way. And I love how the Bible, when you read it, it tells us these things that seem insignificant sometimes about Jesus. How he ate with the disciples, how he prayed with them, how he even napped next to them. They seem insignificant, but those details show us that when Jesus, what Jesus was doing when it came to discipleship is he was displaying it through his life. He was doing life with these people. And in the same way, that's what discipleship is, is at the end of the day, discipleship is a lifestyle. It's not an option, which is the title of our message today. Discipleship is a lifestyle. It's not an option. See, Jesus could have only called his dudes, the 12 disciples, when it was time to do ministry. Imagine reading the Bible and be like, okay, it was time to do ministry. So he called his guys. They all met there. They did ministry and then went back home and went their separate ways. But you don't see that. You see Jesus doing life with them day in and day out. A few weeks back or a few months back, I had the uh, the privilege of teaching my oldest daughter how to ride a bicycle. 
Now you gotta know my history. I didn't learn how to ride a bike till I was 12 years old, guys. I didn't have somebody instructing me. And the way that I learned how to ride a bike is I literally got on the bike and I went down a hill, no lie. It was do or die. And I just remember the bike was going so fast that I couldn't get on the pedal and eventually I got it. I was like, dude, if I don't get a hold of these pedals, I'm dying today, right? Well, I didn't want my daughter to be older and not learning how to ride a bike. So when she asked me, we went out to the Mesquite High School parking lot and we just spent hours and hours just teaching her and telling her, get back on, keep trying, keep doing it. So I wanna show you guys, I recorded most of it, take a look. Y'all probably remember this when you were a kid. She's not here, but give it up for her. <laughs> now watch this, wait for it. Did y'all hear that? I did it! As a parent, that's like the best thing you can hear many times, right? When they're trying something and they say, I did it. Now I could have said, Isa, here's a book on how to ride a bike. Here's a YouTube link, go watch his video. There's a bunch of kids riding bikes and then tell me how it goes. But what happened there, me being with her, close enough for her to know that she had me to fall back on, close enough for me to instruct and guide her, my closeness instilled confidence in her to keep moving forward. She could look back and know that dad was there, or as they call me, papi was there, and see that she was not left alone. And I'm afraid that many times in the church, we've done the opposite. Somebody gets saved and we say, you know what? Here's the Bible, go and read it, start in the book of John, or here's a Bible app, you can download it now, it's very easy, nothing wrong with that, but that's not how disciples are made. Disciples are made when we're in, in close proximity. In close proximity. Now I love what happened the, literally the next day after she learned how to ride her bike. Our next eldest daughter, or the, the, the next one in the line there, she said, you know what, I want to learn how to ride a bike. So we went to another parking lot and take a look what happened here. Now what y'all are about to see is a disaster that almost happened. There was another person riding a bike and Nora almost ran into him. Good job. I was praying right around this point. There it is. <laughs> but that's a good example of when Jesus says, come follow me. He's saying, keep putting your foot in the same place as I am. Keep walking with me. Keep going at the pace that I am going. 
Multiplication happens in close proximity. Discipleship happens in close proximity. Do y'all know that less than 20% of Christians are being discipled in any fashion right now? And that's whether it be a Sunday school group, that's whether them being a part of a men's group or a women's group or group link, less than 20% of Christians are being discipled. And we don't wanna be a church that's just comfortable. We wanna take what Matthew 28, 18 says. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. And he says what? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. These were his last words as he descended into heaven. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Making disciples is not an option. It's not an option for us to make disciples. See, many times we think this is the pastor's job, this is the leader's job, right? That's what they do is they make disciples. But over 260 times in the Bible, the word disciple is used. Now, if it's repeated 260 times, would you guys agree it's it's important to God? He counts it as something that is, is very, very important and is crucial. And I get it. We live in a time where we want to protect our me time, right? It's me and Netflix, nobody interrupt, right? It's me and the gym, nobody interrupt. This is my me time. And I, I, we, we have to do some me time. We have to take care of ourselves. But at what point do we start letting people in, into our lives, so that we can start multiplying and doing what God called us to do, which is to make disciples, These are the last words that he spoke. Go and make disciples. He didn't say, pastors and leaders, pay attention. This is for you. He said it for all of us. See, we will all stand before Jesus one day. And this is not a matter of salvation. Let me be clear. Our salvation does not come from works. It comes in putting our faith in Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, right? What he did on that cross for us. That's how salvation happens. But this is a command, and I believe with everything in me that Jesus will hold us accountable with what did we do with the Great Commission. Did we disciple others? Did we multiply ourselves? So then the question is, what are we doing to make disciples? I want you to internalize that because it's so easy to hear a message like this and be like, that's not for me. As a matter of fact, say, this is for me. Come on, y'all can do better. Say, this is for me. What are we doing to make disciples, guys? What I love about NCC is that we're not a church that allows people to just stay comfortable. People jump from church to church seeking comfort. We see this all the time. They seek comfort over growth. But what I love about our church is we don't want to just fill up a room. We want to go out and say, you know what? Not only do we want to be discipled, but we want to disciple others so that there's growth. Why? Because at the end of the day, we are going to be held accountable to what Jesus said. So making disciples is not an option. We have to understand that right off the bat. My second point that I want you guys to write down is making disciples is about following a person. And it starts with us following Jesus. John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and full of truth. This was God in person. This was the power of the truth put on flesh. He didn't want us to just guess or assume what it meant to follow God. He showed us how to love God and how to love others by coming here on earth and setting the example. That's what Jesus said. And we understand by reading that it's not a list of rules. It isn't just about head knowledge. Plenty of people have head knowledge, right? Plenty of people can quote this scripture and that scripture, and we should. We should know the word of God. But at the end of the day, people want to know what it looks like to walk this out. 
There's too many people that tackle the label Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But what it really comes down to is on an everyday basis, can they see us walking it out and living this out? And I hear the objections when we, we talk about discipleship. When we talk about living it out, when we talk about letting people in, I hear the objection, well, I don't want people to see my imperfections. If I let people too close, then they're going to see that I don't have it all together. And I don't want to scare them away. My first uh, uh, piece of advice is if you have not been discipled, get in a group where you can be discipled. But once we've been discipled, now the call is to make disciples. That's the process there. And if you've been discipled and you're still allowing this objection that I don't want people to see my imperfections to stop me, we're allowing that to stop me. I want to encourage you this morning with something. People don't want to see how perfect we are. They know we're not perfect. But they do want to see how we handle our imperfections. They want to see how we handle us messing up. I always remind myself it's progress versus perfection. Perfection will never be attained here on earth. Right? We understand that. But it's progress. Do I keep going back to Jesus? Can people say that I'm becoming more and more like him as time passes? When I started 2020, I was one person, but at the end of 2020, can people look back and say, you know what? You've become more like Jesus. I can see patience growing in you. I can see love growing in you. I can see gentleness, the fruits of the spirit. These things, we can see them growing in you. It's about progress and not perfection. So if we're allowing our imperfections to stop us from discipling others, we want to be very clear with that. Can people see me becoming more like Jesus as time passes? How do I handle it when I mess up? Can I go and seek forgiveness when I offend someone? Can you see that I run to Jesus over and over again? That's what people want to see at the end of the day. It's I'm becoming more like Jesus. So we understand that discipleship, making disciples is not an option. We understand that making disciples is about following a person. It starts with Jesus and then follow me as I follow Christ, right? And the third thing is making disciples is living a life worth reproducing. It's living a life that's worth reproducing. John 14, 12, read it with me. If you have your Bibles or you're reading on, on the screen here, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What Jesus is saying here is he says, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you here to reproduce what I've done. That's what he's saying here. So the question this morning when we hear this, is our life worth reproducing? When I read that, I thought, if the world was full of a bunch of me's, would I like the world I live in? That's what that means. If the world was multiplied by a bunch of me's, would I like the world that I live in? I love this right here because at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to do greater than I've done. I want you to do bigger than I've done. And isn't that what we want as parents, right? We want our kids to go further, to do greater than anything that we've done. How much more do you think God and Jesus don't want you to do greater than what they've done? I can hear it as I read this scripture, John 14, 12. He says, very truly I tell you, let's read it again. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Can you hear Jesus saying, I believe in you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can live a life worth reproducing. You can follow me and help others follow me. 
If there's one thing I want you to get this morning, if Jesus believes in you and he's saying, you can do this, not on your own strength, not on your own performance, but you can do it with the power of my Holy Spirit. See, I think one of the greatest blessings is to be able to see my kids grow up and serve the Lord and do bigger and do greater than I've done, right? And it's not about my name being known and saying, oh, those are Aaron's kids, but to see the Jesus in me be multiplied in them. And then they have kids and to see their kids continue to pass on the spiritual inheritance that we put in them. Jesus says, you can do greater than I've done. And that's his encouragement for us this morning. And so as we close here, I wanna encourage you guys with something. If we could go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. We're not ready to pray quite yet, but I want you to take a trip to the future here with me. We talked at the beginning of the service how our five-year goal is that by 2025, we make a thousand disciples across three NCC campuses. That's our five-year goal right there. So I want you to fast forward with me to five years down the road and envision this. Envision that we've hit our goal of making a thousand disciples originating from NCC. And I want you to imagine that this is not just a number. Envision those a thousand people who have become more and more like Jesus. They've been discipled and therefore have discipled others. These a thousand people are now going into the workplaces and they're reflecting Jesus. These a thousand people include you students. You've been discipled and you're discipling others and now you guys are going into your schools and you're reflecting Jesus. These a thousand disciples are people that are going out and reflecting Jesus in their grocery store, in their communities. Everywhere they go, we see this multiplication process happening. And you had something to do with that. You decided and submitted yourself under the command of the Lord and said, I want to be discipled, and therefore I want to choose to disciple others. You have something to do with this multiplication process that we're envisioning right now. And now you see before your very eyes lives being transformed left and right, marriages being restored, kids and, and students and, and guys and girls running back to the feet of Jesus. Now you're seeing that your work is being impacted because of what you're taking into that place. Now we're seeing that, hey, everywhere we go, the grocery store, uh, the movie theater, the restaurant, people associate NCC with, man, these are people who don't just talk about it, they live it out. And we see this multiplication process happening all around Mesquite, spreading into Forney, spreading into Sunnyvale, spreading into Dallas, spreading everywhere. And it started here because you chose to say, God, I will be discipled and I will therefore make disciples, God. We believe that. And we declare it. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to leave you with this. Discipleship is a lifestyle and not an option because discipleship depends on you and me. It depends on you and me. And so right now, the, the most, I wouldn't say the most basic step, but the very first step, if, if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, man, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. That's where it all starts right there, is us submitting and surrendering our life to him. When we read the Bible, the word of God, it talks about how sin separates us from a holy God, a perfect God. 
And the sin that came into this world is what separated us from him. But I love that the Bible doesn't stop there. God loved us so much that he said, I can't stand being separated from you. And I can't stand the thought of you not having a way to be in eternity with me forever. So what he did is he sent his son Jesus as the sacrifice to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of sin so that we could be recommitted and reconnected to the Father. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that if we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, Lord meaning that he's got control of our lives, he calls the shots, that that's how we are saved. It's that confession there to make him Lord of our life. And so if this morning you haven't made that decision, but you want to do it for the very first time, whether you're online or you're here in person, I want you to just lift your hand right there where you're at and just say, you know what? I want to make a decision right now to start a relationship with God through Jesus. Is there anybody in this place? If you're online right now, you can comment, put a hand emoji, let us know that you're making that decision. Let's pray this prayer and join those who are making that decision for the very first time this morning. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I make you Lord. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you were raised on the third day. And because of that, I can have new life. Because of your sacrifice, my sins are wiped away and I am reconnected to a holy God. Thank you for that sacrifice. I give you my life today. Amen, amen. Can we give it up for everybody who's made that decision this morning for the very first time? And I wanna pray with you guys over everybody else as we close here, that the messages that we hear about discipleship don't become a message that we put on a bookshelf and we forget. But man, the Holy Spirit continues to bring this up in our spirits as we're going out into our workplaces, as we're doing life, that there's an awakening and a shaking to say, God, I don't wanna live a comfortable life. I wanna be obedient to your command. And so let me pray over you guys. Father, I thank you, God, for this church community. God, I thank you for everyone who is joining us online. God, I believe, God, as I mentioned before, that you've called NCC to greater, God, not to comfort, Lord. And Father, you're calling us out, God, of maybe our comfort places, of, of the places that we've gotten so used to, and you're saying, you know what? I've put in you so much that I wanna see multiplied in others. And so, Father, I pray that you call us and you challenge us, God, and you bring us out and say, I believe in you. You can't do this on your own, but you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we speak life to this vision. We speak life to this five-year goal, God. God, I can see it, God, with my eyes, Lord Jesus, this happening, Lord. And not only this community being impacted, but the community around us. Let us lean on you and trust in you, God, when we don't know what else to do that we run back to you over and over again so that our lives look more and more like you, Jesus. God, we thank you and we ask this all in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, if you made a decision this morning to give your life to Jesus for the first time or you're recommitting, if you can go ahead and text the number on the screen, we'll make sure that somebody connects with you and gives you some next steps. God bless you guys. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. 
We want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co.